are going to be in Philippians chapter number one. We've been taking our time going through Philippians 1, and so we'll finish Philippians 1. Lord willing, we'll finish today. Well, I finished it at the first service, so I don't really have a choice. Uh, we've got to move on, so we'll get through Philippians 1. Hey, good to have Chase home for summer break. And uh, Chase, we're proud of you, man. First year of college under your belt, and, uh, and it went well, what it sounds like. So Chase, we're, we're proud of you, man, and, and uh, hopefully it'll be a good summer uh, for you, and welcome home. Uh, welcome uh, the Taylor family back. They were at the 930 service. Some of you remember uh, Jimmy and Stephanie and the kids. They, um, we sent them off as missionaries to Arizona for two years. And they're, they're back here in Davenport. And it was good to, good to see them. So Philippians chapter 1. Last week we were uh, talking about where Paul said to the church of Philippi, look, all of the circumstances that have happened to me, have happened so the gospel would be furthered, the advancement of the gospel. And he said, not only that, not only is the gospel going forward, but fellow believers, they're becoming more bold. Paul's being persecuted for preaching the gospel. And he said his imprisonment, which is what his adversaries meant to silence the gospel while the gospel's advancing. The adversaries meant that to be something to cause fear, but it's only creating more boldness for other people to now speak the word. So you just see, this is a classic example of what, what Satan means for evil, God means for good. And we see that in our lives. We see that in scripture. And that's exactly what's happening here. Paul says that Christ is going to be magnified through all of this. He's going to be glorified. And he says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live as Christ, faithful, fruitful ministry, and if I die, it's gain. Why? Because Christ is being exalted, because I'm going to be with Christ in his presence. And he says this in verse 22 is where we'll pick up. If I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. But Paul's going to say, you know what? I don't know which one to choose. I mean, really, it's God's choice, right? Like God's the one that determines our day of birth and, 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 and day of death. And, it, and that's why murder is wrong. And that's why suicide is wrong, right? We're trying to take life, take the life of someone, or even in case of suicide, where someone takes their life into our own hands. No, God's the one that determines that. And Paul says, look, I want to depart and be with Christ. Now it's necessary for me to stay here. But he's saying this is a hard choice. I am hard pressed. He says a straight betwixt two in verse 23. That means I am a hard pressed. See to depart and be with Christ. That's far better. But yet it's necessary for me to stay here. He said, look, staying here means fruitful ministry. There's churches to plant. There's souls that need to be saved and hear the gospel. There's, there's other fellow believers that need to be uplifted and encouraged. He's going to say later on that, that their joy, their faithfulness was going to be influenced by his life. And so he's saying, I'm, I'm hard-pressed because to depart and be with Christ, man, that's far better. But yet, I know I'm needed here. Maybe you can relate a little bit to Paul. I mean, you ever just feel sometimes like, God, like, I want you to return or just take me home. And this is not the depression of suicide for Paul. This is just him 
recognizing that the best is yet to come. And that is true for every believer, that the best is yet to come for believers. Now, I don't think we should obsess over, over you know, the worst possible case scenario for what we're going through, because a lot of times that's not even what happens. We stress and we worry and we fret about the worst possible case, and we stress about things that aren't even going to come to pass. So I don't think that that's healthy. However, let's just say, for argument's sake, the situation that you're in, the absolute worst outcome does come, what you fear and stress. But for a Christian, the worst possible outcome, we die and we go be with the Lord. And Paul says that's far better for, for a Christian that this life is the closest to hell we'll ever get. But yet for the unbeliever, this life is the closest to heaven they'll ever get. That's why there's an urgency for us to consider our eternal destiny, for us to preach the gospel and share with others that there is more to come after this life. But Paul says this, look, to depart and be with Christ, it's far better. Maybe you're there today. You're wrestling with that of just like, man, heaven's sounding sweeter and sweeter all the time. And sometimes that could be because of just trials and you feel battle scarred and you just feel like, man, I've gone through so much and, and I'm just ready to be done. But also too, I think the closer we get to Christ, the more that we're being sanctified, the more we're being like Christ, it's just a longing to be with him physically in his presence and a longing to be done with this sinful world and the, even the struggles and of sin within and the, the outward just decay of, 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 of sin that the consequences that sin brings. And we just long to be with Christ. Well, this is what Paul's saying. Like, I'm just, man, I, to depart and be with Christ, that's far better. But he says, there's importance of ministry here. For, for me to stay here, it's necessary for you, church. God has a purpose for me here. And I think that sometimes like, you know, when, when, when we're young, it's like you're ambitious, right? You're driven. And there's so much you want to do, so much you want to accomplish. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like God's created us to be productive and God's created us to bear fruit. And, and yet we can just be consumed with, with that. And then as you get a little bit older and middle age, life just gets busy. Life just gets crazy. Like you're pursuing that career. If God gives you kids, that's a whole nother form of, of busy. You're just tired all the time, right? Kids get sick and they wake you up in the middle of the night. And they, and then as they get older, it's, it's their, you're, you're going all over for different music activities or sports activities or whatever the case might be. Life just gets busy. Then as they get older, there's a whole new, whole set of new challenges like driving and dating. And some of you that have gone through that phase, like you feel for some of us that are coming up on that, like I'm not ready for those stages of life, but life just gets busy. And before you know it, before you know it, man, time just goes so quickly. And as you get older, it's just that longing for heaven. You see Jesus and the kingdom of God just on the horizon. And the older that you get, the more people you know on the other side. The more people you know. And, and, and pretty soon, it's, 
You're going to more funerals than weddings, and you, you, you know more people in heaven. You have closer friends and more family on the other side than here, and you just you long for heaven more. Paul's saying, man, I'm, I'm hard-pressed. Like, I want to just depart and be with Christ. That's far better. And that's true for every believer, that when God calls us home, that is far better. Well, we know that to be absent from this body means we're present with the Lord. We know that when a believer dies, we are immediately uh, in the presence of God. We know that when a believer dies, that we are, the believers in heaven are conscious, they're aware, they're aware somewhat of their previous life. They're even aware somewhat of what's going on on earth. That's what we read about in Revelation, the saints that are in heaven. They're aware of certain things. I don't think that means they're like watching our every move here on earth. And I don't think that they necessarily know all things, but at least they're aware of God's redemptive work that's still taking place on this earth. We know that the saints in heaven are rejoicing around the throne. We know that the saints in heaven are at peace. They are at rest. They are in, in the bliss and splendor of heaven. We know that they're with other believers. They're worshiping God. Paul talks about that in Ephesians, about that the whole family of God, both on earth and in heaven, that there are saints in heaven that are rejoicing. And while we don't know a whole lot about heaven as far as like what people in heaven are doing now and what it's like now. We read in at the end of the Bible in Revelation about the new heaven, the new earth, and it gives a great, glorious, beautiful description. So we know what that is to some degree, but there's a lot of questions that are unanswered. But we know this, it's far better. It's far better than what it is here. Now that gives us a peace and a joy of not only what our, awaits our future, but we all have loved ones that we know in heaven. We all have loved ones. And sometimes the temptation is this. We feel like they're missing out on what's going on here. But please reject that thinking. That is not biblical thinking. Now that doesn't mean it's wrong for us to grieve because we miss them. Oh, absolutely we do. We grieve for ourselves, we grieve for our family, we grieve and I think that's absolutely appropriate to grieve because death is something that, 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 that came about by sin. It's not as God intended, it's what God knew would happen and allowed to happen and absolutely, but yet it's okay to grieve, but let's not make the mistake of grieving for them. Our loved ones who are with the Lord, they're far better. And Paul's saying, look, I'm hard pressed because it's needful for me to stay here for you. I want to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Verse 24 says, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh, it's more needful for you. In other words, he knew God had a purpose and work for him, for this church, for other churches to do fruitful ministry. He says, having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So he's saying, look, I know God has me here to do fruitful ministry. Church, I know that part of the reason God left me here is for you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to help you. Uh, God's using me to strengthen you. And so he says, I want to just depart. I want to just go home and be with the Lord. But God still has something for me here. 
And this is what I need you to understand and know. That God has something for you still here on this earth. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no, no matter what you've done in your past, no matter, no matter how much you think that you're insignificant in the kingdom of God, no, God has something for you here. There's fruitful ministry here. That's why God hasn't called you home yet. You need to know this. You need to understand this. There's nothing wrong with longing for heaven. There's nothing wrong with longing to just depart and be with Christ. But know that God still has fruitful ministry for you here. And if he didn't, he would have already called you home. And this is what Paul's realizing. The desire is far, or the desire to be with Christ, man, that's far better. But God still has something for me here. He says, verse 27, only let your conversation, that means your conduct, how you live, only let your conduct be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So he's encouraging the church now, listen, let your life be about the gospel. In fact, that word only means only, right? This is, this is the only way a Christian should live. This is the only way as a believer that we should live, and that is living a consistent life with our calling. Live a consistent life with the gospel that Christ has saved us and how that Christ has called us. And he says, let your life now match up with that. Live in that way. Your conduct, it actually comes from a word. The, the root word is, is politic or polis, meaning a city. And what Paul's saying is live by the laws of the land, not, not in Philippi or not in Rome, but live because your citizenship is in heaven if you're a, a child of God. You are citizens of another country. We get that word politic and you know we don't necessarily think that, but politic means city or living like in accordance with the laws of the land of Paul says, your citizenship's in heaven. He says, live in that way. The only way for a Christian to live is a life that matches up with the gospel. Now, none of us will do that completely and perfectly because we're still in a fallen world, but this is, this is what should identify us. This is what should characterize us that we as Christians live in this certain way. He says, only let it become the gospel of Christ. He says, now, whether I come and see you or else I'm absent. So whether I'm physically with you or not, he says, I want to hear of your affairs. I want to hear of how you're doing. He says that you would stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. This verse is beautiful. I love this verse. This is what we heard about. This is what we talk about when we look at other partnerships and ministry and how that we are not competing against one another, but with one another. We're striving together. We're in accordance. We're in unity. And, and Paul's going to talk about, hey, there's people that want you to fall. There's people that want you destroyed, but how are you going to stand when others want you to fall? Well, the first thing is you need to be unified. You need to have this unity. And this is important, not just for us specifically as a church here, that we're unified in our local congregation, but know that we're unified with fellow believers around the world. And we heard about that today in the Dominican, all these churches being planted. You know what? I promise you 
their style of ministry in the Dominicans way different than what we do in Davenport, Iowa. But you know what unites us is the gospel. You know what unites us is we believe that God's word is true. We believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be. We believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation. And so we're united in the gospel. We're striving together with them. And no, does it look identical? Of course not. Are we a cookie cutter of each other? No, of course not. There's variation. There is stylistically different things, but we believe God's word and we want to do fruitful, faithful ministry with one another. And what an encouragement for us as believers. That's why I love the fact that we are able to financially and prayerfully support other missionaries and other church planters. I'm thankful that we can have fellowship with fellow churches in our area who are preaching truth because we're striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're unified together. Then Paul says, I want you to be unified. He's like, and then I want you to be bold. Don't be terrified. Don't be afraid of your adversaries. He says, that's an evident token of their perdition. Or in other words, he's saying, it's just showing their lost condition. It's just showing their sinful condition. That's why they're acting the way they do. But you act in accordance to the gospel. He's like, to you of salvation and that of God. In other words, he's saying there's a clear line. Those that don't know Christ are living a certain way. They're persecuting you. They're belittling you. They're canceling you. They're, they're, they're mocking you because they're not believers. It's just evident of, of their sinful state. But for you, you're being persecuted because you're a believer. He says, I want you to not be terrified. In other words, don't be fearful of that. He says, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now, you don't see this verse on too many signs that you could put up in your house. Right? It, now, Philippians is full of those verses. For me to live is Christ, you know, or, or I can do all things through Christ. God's going to supply all your needs. But we don't really have this one as our go-to verse that God has not only has given you uh, the faith to believe, but, but also for you to suffer for his sake. You know what Paul's saying? Look, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It may cost you suffering. Jesus, and we see this all through scripture, Jesus' own words said, you know, to follow him means take up your cross and follow him. Doesn't mean that it's going to be an easy road to follow Christ. Now, we're not out trying to like pick unnecessary fights. And we're not out like Paul talked about the people that were just, they were preaching the gospel out of contention and strife. These are people that just look for unnecessary fights with other Christians, right? And we got a lot of those people. And, and, and they take that as their badge. Oh, people are persecuting me. No, you're just a jerk. No, you just, you're bringing it all on yourself because you just like to pick unnecessary fights with, with fellow believers. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about being willing to suffer for Christ. Being willing to go through difficulties because you're, going to stand on God's word. And honestly, when you look at society and culture today, honestly, as Christians, it's not just a matter of if we will be canceled. It's when, right? Because you look at who are the people that are being silenced? Who are the people being mocked? Well, it's the people that are actually standing for something. It's people that actually have 
backbone and that are standing on the truth of the word of God. And as Christians, like, like I said, we're not going out trying to pick unnecessary fights, but we're also going to stand true to the word of God. And don't be surprised if you go through suffering for it. Don't be surprised if you're unfriended. Don't be surprised if you're canceled. Don't be surprised if you're silenced. Don't be surprised if you're mocked. Don't be surprised if you actually, if we actually one day will face suffering and persecution for Christ. Paul's saying, look, not only is it given to you on the behalf of Christ to believe on him, but it might be that you're going to suffer for his sake. He says, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. He's saying, look, you might go through the things I'm going through. I'm suffering for doing right. I'm preaching the gospel and I've paid a price for it. He's like, and for some of you, you're going to have that same thing with you, but that's okay. We're striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're willing to suffer. We're willing to go through these things. Why? Because we have this common goal together, striving for the faith of the gospel. He's saying, don't be terrified by that. Don't, don't let it, don't let that fear grip you. Don't let that fear silence you. Don't, don't let that fear hold you back. Don't be terrified by your adversaries. They're not believers. They're not believers. That's why they're doing this. That's why they're acting in that way. And you are believers. You are saved. And so this is a sign that you're a child of God that you may suffer for him. Now, Paul is encouraging this church. He's saying, look, Remember back in verse 21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. All these things that have happened to me, the gospel's going forward. Other believers are being strengthened. Christ is being magnified. Oh, and by the way, to die is gain. This isn't your home. It's far better to be with Christ. So you can have joy even in suffering is what he's saying. You can have joy even in this conflict. But know this. God has a purpose for you. To, to stay here is fruitful ministry. God has something for you still. He says, make sure your life is about the gospel. He says, whether I'm, I'm physically there or I just hear about what's going on. He said, what's going to bring joy to me is to know that you're unified. Is to know that you have one mind. In other words, like, as we get the, the phrase, like-minded. That you're on the same page. You have the same goal. The same purpose. And it's not to elevate our name. It's not to, 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 to give us a bigger platform. It's about the name of Christ. It's so Christ will be magnified. He says, don't be terrified. Don't be fearful. You might suffer. God may call you to suffer for his name's sake. So that's what I'm doing. That's what's happening to me. And that might be what you have to walk through as well. So as we conclude today, maybe you are facing some persecution in the form of people are mocking you. Maybe people have, have just excluded you from things. Maybe for some of you, it's your own family. It's your own family that because you're a Christian and because you stand for Christ, it, you're uninvited to certain things. You're just, you're maybe kind of mocked or you know people talk about you or make fun of you. And what I'm saying is this, not that that's not a big deal, but 
that might just be the territory of being a believer and coming and, and following Christ. People aren't going to understand that. People aren't going to appreciate that. Maybe it's not family. Maybe it's at work. You're overlooked for certain things. And, and it, maybe there's going to come a day where we truly are going to face persecution and suffer for Christ. That's nothing new. Maybe the, the difficulty you're going through isn't that you're being mocked or that you're being persecuted. It's just you're having a hard time understanding why is God allowing the circumstances you're going through right now. Have you been there? Maybe you're there now. You're just having a hard time with it. And yet, be encouraged. Be encouraged that the gospel's going to advance, that, that Christ is being magnified, other believers are going to be strengthened. Be encouraged that, you know what? The pain, the suffering that you're going through, it's temporary. I, I mean, really, like, even if the worst case happens of what you're fearing and fretting right now, to depart and be with Christ, hey, that's far better. As Christians, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear suffering. We don't have to fear persecution. Why? Because we know how things end. That doesn't mean that there aren't some hard times here in this, in this life. That's why I think Paul's saying, don't be terrified of this. Don't be fearful of this. Be unified. Stand for Christ. And know that maybe God will have you walk a road of suffering. And maybe that's where you are today. And maybe you and I can be encouraged with the same truths that Paul is writing. The same scriptures that, that, that the, the church of Philippi was reading. We have. We read. We study. We're preaching from today so that we also can have joy even when life is hard. We can have joy even in suffering.